continue in our series in Advent of in the Gospel of Luke, looking at the coming of Christ through the eyes of different characters in the Gospel. And this morning we have um, Elizabeth as our guide. And our scripture text, which you can find in your worship folder on page 11, um, is there from verse chapter 1. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, into a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, in the same way that the Holy Spirit filled um, Elizabeth and she spoke words of blessing and happened later with Zachary, and he's saying his song, may you pour your spirit upon me and may you speak words, prophetic words, words of comfort um, and challenge to your people. And Lord, may we, um, may we feel that leap of joy uh, inside of us, those of us who bear Christ and those of us who don't, may you draw us to that joy that we might uh, surrender our lives to that in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I didn't want to afflict you um, two weeks in a, in a row with a Latin-titled sermon. <laughs> you might start thinking I'm a pretentious pastor. Uh, but I was really tempted to title this sermon, Ubi Caritas Gaudet Ibi Es Festivitas, which translates, where love rejoices, there is festivity. Uh, I gave you the quote at the bottom of, as like a little footnote, if you want to see that. This is a quote from a sermon from the fourth century by St. John of Chrysostom. And uh, where love rejoices, there is festivity. I think this phrase uh, wonderfully captures uh, what this scene is all about. The reality of the encounter between Mary and Elizabeth. In the Christian tradition, this uh, scene is known as the visitation. And in the visitation, you see rejoicing love that celebrates, that, that um, turns to celebration and festivity. You have a newly pregnant mom visiting an elderly pregnant woman, and both pregnancies in their own way are miracles. Uh, Jesus um, is conceived in the Virgin Mary through the Holy Spirit, and Elizabeth who has been barren all of her life, has now conceived a child in her own old age. And when the women greet each other, John, in the womb of Elizabeth, leaps for joy at the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary. And what happens is uh, Elizabeth breaks out in a kind of little song of blessing. And then right after this story, which we don't have in our, in re right here printed, is actually the song of Mary which starts with, my soul magnifies the Lord. 
So here you have a little celebration. This is a story and a scene that is abounding with just sort of this mood of abounding love and joy, a profound affirmation of life. And it's the joy of possessing what one loves. That's what a big part of joy is, is, is possessing and receiving that which one loves. And so for Elizabeth all her life, been longing for a child, she now has a child and she's rejoicing. And Mary, very different, uh, she is rejoicing in particular in the identity of the one whom she bears. And the one she bears, the angel told her, he will be great, he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary shares in Elizabeth's joy, no doubt. But the real focus and the direction of all the joy in this story, um, even from John the Baptist, who's already, as the witness, bearing witness to Jesus, all the, all the focus is on Jesus. All the focus is on the presence of Jesus because he's the hidden joy of all creation. He's the hidden joy of all creation. He's, and he's coming onto the scene and all of creation is beginning to erupt with joy and praise. Ubi caritas gaudet ibi as festivitas. Where love rejoices, there is festivity. Now the question for us this morning is, how does this story help uh, orient our hearts to the coming of Christ during this Advent season. In week one, we learned from Zechariah and his song about having a prophetic imagination. Last week, we learned from Mary and the story of the Annunciation and the angel of what it means to surrender, of surrendering faith. And this week, Elizabeth teaches us that to ready our lives for the coming of Christ, we must do it through festivity. We must do it through celebration. To be ready for Jesus is to receive his presence in your life with joyful celebration. When Elizabeth comes into the presence of Christ in Mary's womb, you can see it in the story, in the text. Luke records it. She's just overwhelmed with joy. And it says with a loud cry. She offers this blessing. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Another way you might think about this um, life of celebration or festivity is as a blessed life. Um, to, to prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ and to receive him joyfully is what it means to have a blessed life a blessed life, a joyful life. When Elizabeth blesses Mary, she's not giving Mary something that Mary doesn't already possess. Her blessing is a joyful recognition of the reality of God at work in Mary's life, God's favor and goodness to Mary. And again, it's like, as I was talking about at the beginning of our worship service, um, how the Psalms speak of us blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Come, bless the Lord. When we bless God, we're not giving to God something he doesn't have, but there is a sense in which we give him something that is owed him, which is uh, worship and praise and thankfulness. And uh, when we do this, what we do is we become part of this circle of blessing. God blesses, we receive it, 
and we bless God, and then God blesses again, and we receive it in thankfulness, and we give it back to him in praise and honor, and the circle goes. And that's what Mary and what Elizabeth is doing here is participating in this circle of blessing, which will eventually uh, save the whole world. Elizabeth is not adoring or worshiping Mary, but rather what she's doing is she's recognizing the source of all that blessing, which is God. And she's offering praising thankfulness for it through Mary's life. I think the key to a life of festivity or celebration is knowing and learning how to enter that circle of blessing in our own lives. And Mary and Elizabeth, they show us the way. Now, I want to step back for a minute and draw a bigger frame for you with this word bless. The, the word bless, blessing, blessed is a really important word group in the Bible that goes all the way back to the beginning. And so I want to give you an abbreviated history of this word because I think this story really comes alive when you see it against this backdrop. The first thing that God does after he creates human beings, in his image, male and female, he created them and he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. To be blessed by God is to be approved. It is to be favored by God. Um, it is to be given fruitfulness and flourishing and shalom and well-being and the, the desire to be happy that all of us bear in our deepest core of our being, that desire for happiness, it goes back to this original blessing that God gives to human beings. God wants his creatures, in particular his image bearers, to be blessed within his good creation. He created us for flourishing. He created us for joy and celebration. But when sin enters the world through disobedience, our experience of blessing is no longer something that, um, that, we can, that can be guaranteed. Blessing becomes scarce in the world. Uh, blessing is something that we have to sort of fight and struggle for, and we have to kind of box each other out for blessing. It's, blessing is, is actually, the, life is a mixed bag of blessing and curse. One of the ways that the blessing continues in life is through the birth and nurture of children, all generations, but one of the signs of the curse is barrenness, the inability to have children. And so it's interesting that when God begins the salvation plan to redeem the world, to save creation and his people, he chooses an elderly couple that have not been able to have children, <laughs> that have been barren, Abraham and Sarah. They will be a new Adam and Eve. They will be a new Adam and Eve, and through them a new humanity will come into the world that will be truly blessed, but not on the basis of just mere natural biology, but on the basis of faith. And they will be blessed with a child named Isaac, who will be a miracle child. And through this child, many others will be blessed. Actually, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So when Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is the fruit of your womb, she is evoking this long history of Israel, of how God intervenes in sort of families, into, into wombs, and, and brings miraculous pregnancies and life. And her life, Mary's life, has become a sign of new creation blessing. 
Like Abraham and Sarah, Mary is blessed to bear a child, and through this child, all the world will be blessed. Now, Elizabeth teaches us about a life of festivity, not by um, kind of pointing to herself, but actually pointing to Mary. And I think this is really important to see about this, this story. Mary, Mary is the model. She is a model of the blessed life. Mary is a model of the blessed life because she bears in her womb Jesus, the mother of my Lord. And so Mary exemplifies what this, what this means. And so it's helpful as we think about it for our own lives, what, it, what does it mean for us to live a blessed life, to look and to learn from Mary and what Elizabeth tells us about this. So the first thing that Elizabeth says about Mary is this, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. What an incredible thing and just mind-boggling to think about that Mary is the mother of the Lord. I mean, Mary is uniquely blessed among all women in history in that she's given the gift of bearing God incarnate in her womb. And so she is rightly called in the Christian tradition the Theotokos, which means the mother of God. This will never happen again. And so for this reason, she is uniquely set apart and deserving of honor because of this. However, the application of this truth um, is not to turn Mary into an object of devotion and adoration. By no means is she a kind of co-redemptrix alongside her son. But the way we honor Mary in our lives is learning from her, learning what faith means from her and act in, in imitating her faith, which is that growing in faith is like conceiving a child in your womb, <laughs> giving birth to Jesus in your life. True blessedness in life is only found in bearing Jesus in your own lives. That's the truth, I think, the first truth, that true blessedness, the true blessed life is found only in bearing Jesus in your own life. To accept Jesus into our life is like Mary surrendering her womb to the Lord. Talked about this last week. We must surrender our bodies to the word of God like a mother surrenders her womb to a child. Whole sermon on that from last week. So if you weren't here, I can encourage you to go back. But to receive Christ into your life is, is, is for the word of God to, to be implanted at the center of your life like a child in the womb, conceived inside of you. Jesus, he wants to grow inside of you, to be formed within you. He desires intimacy with you, where your flesh and his flesh are connected and your life and his life are united. I talked last week what this looked like in terms of surrendering faith, but I want to observe this week how this reality, when it is true, when we bear Jesus in our lives, is a source, the true source of everlasting blessing and blessedness in our lives. True blessedness is one in which Jesus grows inside of you through the whole course of your life. And the reason this is true blessedness is because he is the deep joy of all creation. He is, if you will, the fountainhead, the very source, the wellspring of joy itself. And so when you bear Jesus in your life, at the center of your life, which is what it means, the womb of your life, you bear joy itself at the center. It is to possess when the inner resources of your life, what the psalmist said in Psalm 16 about the Lord's presence, that in his presence there is fullness of joy 
At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Blessed are you among women, Mary. Blessed are you among men. Blessed are you when you bear Jesus at the center of your life. So Mary, though, continues, rather, Elizabeth continues in her blessing. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her. So there's a blessedness in bearing Jesus, and there's a blessedness that actually goes before it, which is the blessedness of believing. And this believing makes possible the bearing. Mary believed there would be a fulfillment of the promise spoken to her by the angel. Um, And this believing is really just another word for obedience. She obeyed. She was obedient to the promise. Elizabeth's blessing doesn't just recognize that Mary was uniquely uh, favored among women, um, but that Mary's obedience, she's recognizing Mary's obedience contributes to the blessing that all the world now is able to share and enjoy. It was Mary's obedient yes that makes possible Jesus' entry into the world. Mary's obedient yes makes possible Jesus' entry into the world. And through her obedience, many others are blessed. Again, this is the same pattern we see with Abraham and Sarah. It is their faith, their yes, to listen and to go and to have faith that becomes a blessing to all the world. Now, in this regard, Mary is is a figure of the church, of the obedient church. Um, The church's obedience is a source of blessedness to the world because why? Because we provide a space, an entry point for Jesus to come into the world and for other people to meet him. It is through the womb of the church's life that Jesus continues to this day to come into the world. No one meets Jesus No one meets Jesus and grows in relationship to him without some prior act of human obedience. Think about that. Why are you here? How did you get here? (laughs) What, who are the people that obeyed and listened and had faith in the promise that allow you to be here today? You didn't get here by yourself. I can assure you of that. You did not do it by yourself. There were those, like Mary, who bore Jesus at the womb of their life, and they listened and they responded. And because of that, you have been blessed. I have been blessed. When I think about this for my own life, when I think about having become a Christian in high school, and I think about all the different people that come to my mind, I just think of so many dozens, hundreds, literally, of faithful people, individuals, church communities, that allow me to be here today where I am. It's overwhelming, really, and it's their obedience. They bore Jesus like Mary in their life. Now, I think it's a scary proposition for us to think about the work of God depending (laughs) on our obedience, but it's true. Um, Our obedience matters. Your obedience matters. It changes things. It changes people's lives. You can be a vessel of blessing to others, but you have to obey in order to do that. It doesn't just happen. Any truly healthy and flourishing church is singularly made possible by the collective obedience of the whole body. (laughs) It's not just having the the right ministry plan and the right pastor and some good leaders and a nice building and rock and music. 
It's actually the obedience of all of you that makes the ministry of this church possible and makes the ministry of this church a blessing to others. So I want you to consider who are the people in your life that God desires to bless through your obedience? Who are the people who, through your willingness to create space at the center of your life, that they might meet and encounter and be nourished in the fountainhead of joy itself? Blessed is she, blessed is he who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken from the Lord. And friends, when we surrender our lives to bearing Jesus, it is a blessing to others, but it is also a joy back to us. <laughs> um, when we do this, when we obey, we experience joy. One of the ways you experience joy in life is by obeying the word. Um, that's one of the central themes here of this story. And the last point I want to make. Mary and Elizabeth know that there is great joy in being a vessel of blessing to others. There's incredible joy when our lives, personally, domestically, professionally, however, uh, become caught up in this bigger story, this cosmic story of salvation. Uh, Mary and Elizabeth, part of their joy, no doubt, is just having their own children. <laughs> the joy of just the pure, natural, human joy of your own children. But that's not the only source of their joy. They understand that their children are at the center of God's plan to redeem the world, which means they are at the center of God's plan to redeem the world. And similarly, you and I, all of us here, are invited to, into this story to be participants, just like Mary, just like Elizabeth. I think that one of the greatest, um, I'll call it a joy defeater or a joy blocker, one of the greatest joy defeaters in our life is when we don't understand where true joy comes from. True joy comes from, and it only comes about when we serve and we surrender our lives to something bigger than ourselves. True joy only comes about when you surrender your life to something bigger than yourself. The greatness of joy in your life will always be coordinate to the greatness of the thing to which you have surrendered your life to. Uh, there's a philosopher named Robert Roberts, reflect, who reflects on this virtue of joy. He says that if you refuse to take any responsibility for anything but your own amusement, or if you work only for yourself, or you work only for your family, but not for God, you're heading for a crippled life, a life of incompleteness or disaster. Ultimately, this is a life without lasting joy. Friends, joy is always the byproduct of something else. It's not something you can just kind of make as your target. Joy is always something that comes about as, in a sense, an excess of giving ourselves to other things. It's the fruit of something bigger and grander. In particular, it's the result of assuming responsibility and risk for the sake of the kingdom of God. And that's what Mary and Elizabeth have done. My experience is that the greatest joy in my life that I experience on an ongoing basis has always been coordinated with the things that are the hardest in my life, the things that require the most of me, the things of which I've had to give the most, sacrifice the most, the things at which often I have failed miserably the most, the things that have caused me the deepest ongoing pain in my life 
namely being a father, pastoring this church. These things are the source of the greatest joy in my life, and I would not exchange them for anything. And that is what we see in Mary and Elizabeth, bearing John and Jesus in their wombs, raising them as their son. Each woman assumes incredible responsibility and incredible risk in burying these children. And they cannot see it now. They cannot see it now. But great pain and suffering lay ahead for them. Because great pain and suffering lay ahead for their children. (laughs) Both of these boys will one day be unjustly imprisoned and executed. John the Baptist will have his head cut off, and it will be set on a platter, and it will be passed around at a dinner party for King Herod. Jesus will be um, imprisoned, interrogated, beaten, stripped naked, and put on a cross. And we don't know how long Elizabeth lived, whether she lived long enough to see John's ministry, but Mary is there for the whole thing, and she has a front row seat. And yet... The joy is real. This joy is real, and this blessedness is real. No future suffering or loss can cancel that out. And even if Mary could look ahead to know what happens, I don't think she would exchange it. I don't think she would turn her yes to a no. And that's the thing about true joy. A joy that is rooted in the gospel is that it is not incompatible A life of joy is not incompatible with profound suffering and loss. And the reason why this is the case is because joy is always in the presence of the Lord. And the promise of Advent is simply Emmanuel, God with us, right? Even when we are surrounded by suffering and pain and darkness, Emmanuel, God with us. When we bear Jesus in the womb of our life, we bear the very source of life itself within us that can confront any darkness that is either outside of us or even within us. And there is no suffering and there's no loss or death that can ultimately threaten Emmanuel, God with us and God within us. I want to conclude with a... uh, Just reading a quote. (laughs) It's in the beginning of your worship folder. It's a beautiful reflection on the joy of the visitation. It actually comes from one of the women of the Reformation. Not many know about her. Katarina von Regina Griffenberg. She was Austrian, Lutheran, and a poet. And I think her, she's commenting on this passage. And I think of all the commentaries that I've read, and I've read many on this text, this for me is the most insightful that gets to the heart of the matter. She writes, The presence of Jesus always kindles joy, even when it is hidden and is within hidden things. Jesus, hidden in his mother's womb, gladdens John, who is likewise lying beneath his mother's heart. This shows that no darkness or seclusion, no invisibility or concealment, neither flesh nor blood nor corporeal or natural thing, nothing, can impede joy in Jesus. This joy penetrates all obstacles, illumines all darkness, enters through all locks, grants in the midst of prison the most pleasant freedom, and makes visible with invisibility the gleam of its beam. And in the deepest obscurity does not conceal itself before those who love him. 
It employs flesh and blood, which to be sure are by nature incapable of this. As a tool of its operation, it makes even the unborn children an instrument for its music. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that the joy of all creation, Jesus himself, and his joy would reach up through the depths, like the depths of a, woman, of a, of a mother's womb, and grab hold of us, grab hold of us from the inside and pull us towards you and pull us in towards you, Lord. Whatever despair, whatever anxiety, whatever loss, whatever ongoing pain um, is represented in this room, Lord, may uh, Emmanuel, God with us, God within us, be a triumphant and comforting truth for us. We give you thanks and we, we give you praise for the joy of knowing Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.